Welcome to episode 7 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Today's episode is with world-renowned astrophotographer uh, Paul Ziska from Banff, Alberta, Canada. Man, Paul is such a cool guy to talk to. We talked about uh, his journey into night photography and his journey into professional photography. Um, we talked about uh, just finding finding your creative vision and balancing uh, creativity with with the necessities of maintaining a professional photography lifestyle and uh, just our mutual love for the mountains. And we got into a really great discussion about uh, conservation and the role of photography in conservation. And, you know, I think I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. Um, uh, just a reminder, please, please, please rate the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. I think it'll help get us some more listeners and uh, share it with your friends. Thanks for listening. Recording, man. You're, you sound great. Um, I yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast, man. I I've been following your work for a lot of years. <laughs> oh wow! Thanks so much for following along, Matt. Appreciate it. And likewise, love your work too. Oh, thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Um, so Paul Ziska, man, it's it's cool having you on. Um, I think I know I first started following you when I got into. Uh, night photography which was probably back in like 2011 i think mm-hmm. i'm assuming you were shooting night photography back then yeah started around that time i think that's when i caught the uh, the bug i think cut the bug huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's hard to get rid of as you know yeah and and so you're you're based out of uh out of banff alberta right that's correct yeah in the heart of the canadian rockies Oh man, that's a that's a pretty amazing place to to be based out of, huh? Yeah, have you been out this way, Matt? I never have. I uh, it's definitely on my bucket list. I've been want I've been wanting to go up there, and I've been wanting to go up to um, uh, Mount Assiniboine up in there, do some backpacking and photography up there. But I just haven't haven't been able to do it. You know, I've been here in Southwest Colorado. There's a lot of really great stuff to shoot, so it's. It's it's sometimes it's like, oh, do I want to drive 20 minutes or do I want to, you know, so, but it's definitely somewhere I want to go. Yeah, for sure. I'm in the same boat as you, Matt. I often have good intentions about, you know, yeah, sure, I'll go, I'll go shoot uh, over there and over here. And, and uh, somehow when you, uh, when you have a nice backyard, sometimes you don't make it uh, very far before you find something that, that works for you. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, about, I don't know, I want to say like three or four years ago now, you made a decision to, to become a full-time photographer so, somewhere in there. I, I don't, I just remember seeing a post from you like that you finally pulled the trigger. Is that right? Yeah, it's been a little bit longer than that, Matt. I think it's okay. been about, uh, I would say, eight years or so. Okay, wow, that long. Yeah, so it's been, yeah, the I guess the sole source of income for about eight years now, yeah. Wow, man. So tell me a little bit about your journey into full-time photography, because I think 
It's uh, it's something that a lot of landscape photographers aspire to, but don't necessarily ever get the opportunity or have whatever the magic sauce is to pull it off. And I'm just really curious kind of how you how you pulled it off. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think for one, I don't think it's I don't think it's for everybody. Um, I think it's it's a kind of job that's highly romanticized online and all that. But, uh, you know, like any other type of work, it's got its downsides as well. And I think you have to be okay with, for example, not really knowing where your income is going to come from a couple of years down the road or um, or, you know, the, 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 the eternal between, you know, do I create to please other people or do I create for myself? When you start monetizing, it's something that's on your mind a little bit more, maybe. Um, so, you know, it's got, you know, it's got it, uh, definitely elements that you have to, uh, you know, hurdles you have to negotiate as you go along. But um, I, I personally enjoy the, the vast majority of the work. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's worked for me. I think, um, you know, initially when we moved to Banff, the idea was, um, you know, how do we stay outside as much as possible? So when my now wife and I moved to Banff. The idea was to, you know, if we're going to live here, let's try to be outside as much as we can. And um, I wasn't really into photography that much, but I was looking for an excuse to be outside <laughs> as much as I could. And I hesitated between guiding and photography. And I did both for a couple of years. And eventually photography just um, took over. I think it was just, um, I, just, I enjoyed it better. And I enjoyed it more than guiding. And, uh, uh, you know, I think I was it just came to me more naturally than the guiding part of things and uh financially it was the better option of the two so i decided to go full-time photography at that point and i didn't have huge um you know i don't think i had um, huge responsibilities financially so it wasn't really a huge concern for us to to have me you know take the leap fully and see what could be and commit to a year and see what could happen with that and the first year went pretty well and the, the rest of history I guess I although I've, I've changed sort of um, the way I make um, my income has changed over the years it's different now than when I started but uh, yeah somehow sure. we've... I feel like you kind of have to nowadays you have to adapt yeah I think um, in my mind it's key to have uh, several sources of income because they're they're all they're all really pretty unreliable sources of income you know one year prints will do okay and then they just plummet the next year but then stock will do okay or workshops will do well and so I think it's nice that uh, to equalize things a little bit and and by that I mean you know sometimes one item won't do as well one year but that's okay because the six seven other sources of income um, you know will compensate for that and hopefully they'll they'll add up to uh to a living yeah no doubt <clears throat> i remember um it must have been about four years ago now four or five years ago um the stock agency out of uh the uk that um and i'm blanking on their name but they basically like they funnel a lot of stuff to daily mail and stuff like that. I think they picked up some of your um, night photography selfie stuff and they did like a big piece on your, on like night selfies. Check out the amazing stuff this guy's doing with selfies at night. I remember it seemed like after that happened, you really picked up a lot of steam in terms of exposure to your work and stuff like that. Um, is that ringing a bell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or was I just imagining that? 
<laughs> no, you're right, Matt. It, it was uh, it, it it led to a sort of a crazy yeah crazy couple of weeks. You know, you, you know what it's like with social media now. You you can uh, you know suddenly you're the the flavor of the month, I guess, and then uh, as quickly as that interest is generated, it just disappears. It goes away, and people move on to something else. Uh, but uh, you know, it it was fun while it lasted. Everybody sort of everybody came knocking and. Uh, and uh, <laughs> suddenly you get pigeonholed as you know the night selfie guy, and you, you you're like, oh, I, no, I actually do other stuff too, you know. But then there's it's no use fighting it, right? Suddenly you're just the the, the guy who just uh, does selfies at night. But uh, no, I I'm definitely you know thankful for for the exposure, and it's been uh it, it was a fun part of the journey for sure. Um, but it's uh. It's something that, uh, yeah, like I said, it's very volatile. It's uh, it, it, it comes and it goes, and that's just part of the uh, part of the the photo experience these days. I think. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's funny. I was talking to Michael Bellino last week um, when he was he got the cover of Outdoor Photographer, and he kind of had the same experience. You know, like ton of people got interested in his work, but then it you know it kind of faded. Um, it's funny how episodic it can be in terms of, and really how defining, I guess it can be, because for some people, they'll get a break like that and they just become a a name brand, known quality that everyone knows about. And then other people, they'll get a break like that, but then it kind of goes nowhere. So do you, um, and, I, and I have a theory about why that happens, but I'm curious as to why you think for you, it was such a spark. Yeah, no, it's a re- really good question. And and by the way, I did I did listen to all the podcasts this week while catching up on oh, editing. Cool. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. It was so so interesting and so so great to hear everybody's take on different topics. So so thanks for doing this. This this is great to give people a voice that way. Um, but yeah, I remember that that conversation you had where um, yeah, it, it it's kind of hard. Uh, it, it, well, it's hard to milk it when this happens. You don't really know. You know something is good's happening, but you sort of don't know how to make the most of it, how to take advantage of it while it lasts. And and yeah. it's hard it's hard to pinpoint, you know, especially if you're doing it for, you know, if you're doing photography um, for for work, um, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, uh, to measure, I guess, monetization. You know what what leads to what. Um, you know, yeah, you get you get tons of exposure one week, but what is it in the end that's gonna you know, um, sort of show up as a book purchase or a workshop spot or something. It's really hard to tell. Uh, but you know, I, I can't say I've had too many of those waves of attention online, but I feel like, you know, I learned, a, I learned a little bit every time and, you know, every time you just, the attention just dwindles and you're like, Oh, I should have done this. And I should have done that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, to just, uh, to, to make, take advantage of it but uh it's just um it's kind of o- overwhelming and sometimes you're not even around to you know you're you'll be oh, in the right. field and you'll be you know like you have a family too right you'll be you know you'll be out doing something and then you come back to the world of social media and you're the best thing for since sliced bread for for a couple of days and then and then it's uh then it's gone again so it's yeah you know i, I personally i don't um I haven't been counting on it too much in terms of, you know, monetizing. It's more uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's more, you know, yeah, lots of people are looking at your images that you potentially, you know, you probably put a lot of work into creating. So, hooray, you know, and that's pretty much it for me. But I'd, I'd love to hear, <laughs> I'd love to hear your take on that kind of phenomenon. Well, I guess my theory is that um, I've always had a belief, and not necessarily, it's more of just a gut feeling or what I've observed over time. But I've, I've always felt like the the most successful photographers in terms of um i guess if you were to measure success well that's <laughs> that's a whole other topic like how do you even measure success of a, as a photographer but mm-hmm. i guess in terms of social media following and then also being able to become professional and monetize your work i've noticed that um a lot of those people that are able to do that are also very good <clears throat> very good business people um they're good at marketing and thinking ahead about how they're going to monetize a, a scenario. And I I guess, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but I'm thinking about my own experiences where I've had a couple of kind of flashes like that where I probably, I could have capitalized on it way better than I did. I actually, that same agency that picked up your stuff, uh, I think it was called Caters actually. Uh, mm. They, um, for some reason, they picked up, my stuff, I was doing a bunch of Milky Way panos and they picked up my stuff and it published on the Daily Mail and the like someone sent me a photograph of my photos in their India newspaper from India. <laughs> and I was like, holy cow. And like, of course, I'm thinking this is going to be so huge. Like there's going to be people going to my website and I'm going to have print sales and like nothing happened. It was it was like I got a couple of Facebook fans and that was about it. <laughs> And so it's just, it's interesting to me um, how sometimes people have something like that that happens and it blows up and sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And sometimes, yeah, no, you're right. Sometimes I feel like there's no rhyme or reason to it. And sometimes you'll, you know, you'll, you'll put something out there that you feel is really cutting edge and that, um, you know, people will enjoy and you know nobody picks it up and sometimes it's the images that you know you wouldn't necessarily expect that uh those types of uh you know those types of agencies will pick up and then yeah everybody comes knocking it's kind of uh it's kind of odd that way but i think it's just you know one more uh one more thing that shows that you know in a way you don't want to uh you don't want to uh attach too much uh you know you want to don't want to be too attached to uh how well your work will be received, I guess, and uh, right, and, and really focus on you know shooting stuff that fires you up, and then uh, you know if if people absolutely uh, dig it, great, and if the agencies pick it up, great. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, it's more sustainable, I think, to just uh, yeah, just focus on what you do and have fun out there, and let the rest take care of itself. Yeah, I think it's a that's really great advice for people because. Um, you know, I, I'm not a super huge fan of, uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's like a marketing kind of guru out there in the social media land. But he has a whole thing that he tells people about, like, if you can find your passion and then monetize that, then it's a lot easier to not worry about, uh, um, like, if you're working for yourself or if you're doing what you're doing because you think it's going to sell more print or whatever I think 
And I think people can see through it when you're shooting photos or whatever that they don't speak to you as the photographer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. I think if, if not in the short term, eventually, um, I don't think it's sustainable in the long term. I mean, you're going to be, um, you know, I think everybody's kind of, um, I certainly am, you know, what? everybody's kind of guilty of going down that road occasionally or one, you know, what? some point or another where you uh you go out there and you kind of robotically create the images that you know will blow up online because you know everybody knows the recipe now um so it's not hard to reunite those ingredients necessarily and especially you know when you live in a beautiful place to go right. out there and create images that will get attention but and, and i think you know in the short term it's yeah it may be exciting and all but i think to sustain you creatively or in the long term, you, you need more than that. Um, I think, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's uh, typically those images. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel. I, found, I find that, um, you know, a lot of the time, the images that, that fire you up creatively, that you had the, the most fun creating, um, you know, they're not necessarily the images that people will enjoy the most. But I think you have to just sort of be at peace with that to uh, to just uh, progress as, as a photographer. Absolutely. I mean, some of my absolute favorite photographs of mine have I've never sold prints of. <laughs> and that's OK. You know, like they're they, you know, that's not always the end game of photography especially for a lot of enthusiasts and you know hobbyists and people that are doing it maybe semi-professionally or part-time professionally like myself um you know sometimes it's okay to take some photos that really speak to you and know that you're going to process them to with the way you like them and they're never ever ever going to sell and that's okay um yeah i absolutely, think that's a absolutely. lot and then your your only measure your only measure of success is whether you you're happy with or not, right? You're happy with the photo or Absolutely. not. Absolutely. And that's you know that's what um, I found myself telling a lot of people who don't expect any income from their photos is basically just uh, you know that that's a that's that's a great thing to have because you don't have to um, you don't have to care about what the public thinks of what you do because you don't rely on that to. Uh, you know, for, for an income. So you can, you're free to shoot. You have the total freedom to shoot whatever gets you excited and put it out there into the social media and to the cyber world. And just, uh, and who cares what kind of reaction you get if you're happy with it. And that's, that's the beauty of just, you know, doing it for, for the pure pleasure of photography is, uh, you know, it goes back to what I was saying when, you know, I said it's, it's doing it professionally is not necessarily for everybody. It depends on, you know, what, what you're really in it for. Yeah, so as a as someone who is doing it professionally and full time, how do you how do you strike that balance between maintaining uh and fueling your creative side and also making sure that you actually can put food on the table for your family? Yeah, for sure. It's a very uh it's it's sort of a daily juggling act, honestly. It's um it's yeah, it's tricky for sure because, um, you know, I think when you start to, when you decide, okay, this is going to be my main source of income, my one source of income, you kind of have to be, I think 
you'd be lying if you said I don't I don't I really don't care what people think about what I do I mean you think you have right. to you have to care somehow if you put stuff out there that nobody cares about you're not going to last very long um, so you know I, I think I'm I feel like I'm fortunate in the sense that what I like to shoot is pretty mainstream in the sense that you know um, it, it so happens that I like to shoot things that you know a, a f- you know a few people out there will like you know as opposed to something that's you know a genre that's really obscure you know who doesn't like you know um stars and aurora and nighttime and right. all that all that magical stuff right it resonates with most people so i'm fortunate that way that i don't have to bend too much in order to create something that i that that i like and that the general public and you know will like um but at the same time i think um it's definitely easy to start going down that road of creating solely for the people out there. And then, you know, every time you, you're about to click the shutter, you think, oh, should I take this? Are people going to like this? And it's just, it's horrible when you get to that point where you're just, just you know, so concerned about the, uh, the reaction to your photos beyond your own. Um, so, you know, I think... When when I get too concerned, I think about when I get uh, sort of uh, occasionally trapped in that mentality. Usually, it's because I haven't been outside enough, and uh, and I <laughs> and I find a little bit of field time will solve that. And then suddenly, you know, after yeah. you know, after after you know, a night out or or even a few minutes in the field, it's it's all better again. And then you you just uh, you know you go back to doing it um, for the same reasons you started out doing it, really, and uh, to just. Uh, yeah, to just have that experience first and foremost, and then hopefully the good photos come out of it. But that's not your, you know, your your top priority going out there. Yeah, yeah, I I know exactly what you're saying because I've I've gotten into ruts where I'm like, eh, I don't really feel like taking photos or whatever. But then it's like I remember it's like oh, well, because I'm not I'm not out in the wilderness right now. Like I guarantee if I had my camera and I was, it was like middle of the night I would be staying up all night taking photos of the stars and stuff like that so it's it's finding that those places that derive that inspiration for you as well I think is important yeah for sure and and I think realizing that um, you know we're all human and that a lot of the time you're not going to do very well at striking that balance and to not be too hard on yourself and uh, to just keep going out there shooting and once in a while you'll feel like yeah you you got something that you know everybody's happy you love the shot people love the shot people are you know then maybe you're selling the odd print or just booking the odd workshop spot um, and sometimes you'll just create, you'll just go there and create straight up clickbait. And sometimes you'll create stuff that you really like, but nobody else does. But <laughs> I, I think it's just part of the package, really. It's just, uh, it's part of the journey. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think deep down, a lot of us struggle with that same kind of balance and finding their path. So how did you, um, it doesn't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not originally from Alberta? No, that's why that's why Mike thinks I've got such a good accent. <laughs> no, so I'm where from, are you from? I'm and from, how did you get to Canada? Yeah, yeah, I'm from Canada. I'm from Quebec City originally. I'm just oh, from, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm uh, so French is my first language, but I've lived uh, I've lived in Banff. We've lived in Banff for about ten years now. So okay. Um, yeah. So you know, um, most of my world is English oriented. 
yeah, but, yeah. He, but he was like, I think he's from the UK. <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, you know, it, it's I think it's sort of uh, what everybody what everybody does out east. You know, when, when you're from Ontario or Quebec or Eastern Canada, uh, you know that uh, you hear about the Rockies fairly a fairly young age, and you hear about this you know sort of legendary place out west and. And for a lot of people, the first thing you do when you're able to get away from home is you go check out the Canadian Rockies. And, and yeah, it's pretty much what everybody does when they get to a certain age and then and Western Canada. And then, uh, you know, I felt I just fell in love with the mountains, with the lifestyle, with the um, the opportunities for exploration and adventure and eventually, you know, documenting all that. And so it just felt like a really good fit for me. And um, yeah, yeah, and, and I love the community here. I love the creative community. I love the the um, yeah. I love that everybody sort of uh, ends up here for uh, out out of you know a love for the for high places. It's uh, it's kind of a bonding thing. I, yeah, love that. Yeah, the mountain culture. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, are you are you in the mountains yourself, Matt? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that I'm in uh, Durango, Colorado. It's um, southwest Colorado. So, you know, 20, 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes north of here is pretty much like the best Colorado mountains, like tons and tons of 13ers and 14ers. And um, but then oh, I've wow. got, yeah, and then we've, again, we've got the desert and stuff like that. That's really close by, too. So I kind of, you know, Moab, I think, is like four, three, four hour drive. So. Um, I can do the desert Southwest, but then I can also do mountains and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's, that's what drew me to this part of Colorado is, you know, I originally, I was, I was originally into mountain climbing, uh, was my main thing. I wasn't really into photography that much. And then I started, uh, I wanted to create a, like a blog where I was documenting all of my mountain climbs. And so of course you have to take pictures and I had like a, point and shoot sort of it had a like a interesting fixed lens on it like an 18 to 200 but and then I found like oh I want to do more with this but this thing is kind of limiting me and the more and more I got into photography the more and more I spent time thinking about getting out and taking photos and actually climbing mountains and now I try to do both as much as I can but also have a full-time job and all that stuff so but yeah definitely I'm Mountain culture is where it's at for me too, man. I mountains are super important for me. Part of part of what I don't know. It's my muse, I guess. Uh, <laughs> whenever I'm up there, it's super inspiring, and I everything everything that was worrying me in my life just kind of melts away. I don't know how that how that works out for you, but that's kind of what it does for me. <laughs> oh, I I totally agree. Mountains make your life so much better. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so it sounds um, like you have a great base down there. That's that's awesome. Very central by the sound of it. Yeah, there's. I mean, we've got rafting, we've got snowboarding and skiing, we got you know mountain climbing, hiking, backpacking. But then you've also got all the cool stuff you can do in the desert as well. So it's pretty much year round. You have access to really sweet outdoor stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So. How did you how did you catch the bug for night photography? Um, really, I I like night photography for uh, several different reasons. Part of it is I just 
well, part of it is who doesn't like, uh, you know, all the, uh, you know, it's such a, a magical time of day. I mean, who doesn't like, yeah, stars and northern lights and meteors and, you know, if you're not moved, <laughs> if you're not moved by that kind of stuff, you're probably, you're probably a rock or something, right? Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's so primal. It's like going back to something that, uh, that's just in all of us. It's, it's, there's something just, just so, uh, powerful about that. And honestly, I live in a place that is, you know, it's very heavily, very heavily photographed. Um, and you know, uh, one of the reasons why I start going out at night is that uh, even the iconic locations were were deserted at night, um, so yeah. it, it was super quiet. And uh, and part of it is I I couldn't believe how different those places were. Uh, I was all familiar with them. Uh, I was familiar with all of them during the day, but at night I was just um, I just thought it was incredible how different they looked. And and also love the um, I love the surprise element of nighttime photography and i love that you're forced to sort of suspend that that uh that desire to render things as they as they look to you right um because well if you render things as they look to your eye you're just going to end up <laughs> yeah. with black frames right you can't see a whole lot but then right it, you'd see like a few stars and maybe yeah. a black outline <laughs> but I love, yeah i love that surprise element where you know it looks okay to the naked eye but then something will pop up on the LCD and it's like, whoa, look, I can't believe the auroras there. Look at the light pollution bouncing off the clouds and all that stuff, you know? Um, yeah, there's there's just, uh, you know, there's that mystery to it and you never really know what you're going to get until you take that first test shot. And uh, and I, I love that. And then, and then I kind of really love the idea of, um, you know, help getting out with other people and helping helping them discover the beauty of, nighttime and nighttime photography and so there's just there's so much in it that i like and and i still feel like nothing's been done there's just creatively there's so much to do at night um yeah, yeah what, what yeah so I, I it's it's a, a bit of everything but i i uh, i'd say it's probably the my my uh still my favorite thing to shoot um um today yeah i don't know about you if it's like you because you do a fair bit of daytime stuff as well right um, I would say it's probably yeah, it's probably seventy seventy thirty night today. Okay. For the yeah I um yeah I, I love shooting at night for for all the same reasons that you described. It's it's magical. It's primal. It's it like takes you back to the ancient times when there was no cities and <laughs> yeah. It's like you know like there's just I remember I the first time I taught a night photography class back in like 2012 I want to say and I remember it was like the first time that most of those people had taken a photo of the Milky Way and they it was like seeing a bunch of grown adults at as kids at Christmas like oh yeah seeing that on the back of their LCD for the first time was like oh my god that's so amazing <laughs> like people I mean it, it really is a pretty amazing experience the first time you do it i mean it's and it still is for me and then like you said the the creative possibilities at night are pretty much endless especially if if you can suspend some of your disbelief around you know doing some foreground blending and stuff like that i mean there's there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do with night photography oh absolutely and it's uh and, and you know i love that 
you you're not making it up it's there right it's popping up on on the lcd all that stuff it's just uh you know really using the camera to reveal things that your eye is too limited to see i i love that idea yeah it's like having a a special magical device that can see things that you can't see exactly (laughs) yeah 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 i love that about it too um so uh how did you um how did you get go from guiding into photography because it sounds like you started you you and I had a similar experience of kind of having the passion for the mountains first and then kind of realizing that that there's more to it than just being up there yeah for sure um you know I think part of it is um part of it is I like I said I was really looking for a way to just uh, spend my um I was, you know, I went to school, got a degree and all that, but I was never really career oriented, I guess, in the traditional way. I, I, uh, my priority was more location and being outside when I arrived in the mountains here. And so, but I wasn't really, there was nothing that really stood out to me. Um, and I was a bit tentative towards both like photography and guiding. Um, and they were the two, you know, kind of obvious options around here so I I decided to just you know I said well I'll just do both for a year and uh, see see if anything sort of emerges out of that and I really enjoyed just helping people experience the mountains um, you know you know while 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 guiding but um, I just I think I just felt like photography was just a more powerful experience for me. The only thing that I missed when I went into photography full time is uh, the interaction with people. Like I don't I I spend a lot of time alone. I I enjoy being in the wilderness on my own, but um, sometimes it's nice to I think it's nice to have a blend and it's nice to have those experiences with others too. And I kind of missed that. But then I got into then I got into teaching and workshops, and so I kind of got that part back that I liked about guiding, which is sort of the social interaction in the in the wilderness setting. And so I, I kind of feel like I have it all now. It's it's nice. So I you know a nice blend of being you know creating alone in the mountains and in the wilderness, and then helping others sort of uh, get creative out there, and uh, and just helping people kind of go back towards the uh, the great outdoors. So it's. Uh, yeah, so so that's kind of uh, the way things happened for me, and now yeah, now I feel like I've got a fairly healthy blend of uh, of the two. Yeah, no doubt. So another another project that you are involved in that really really caught my attention that I was hoping we could talk about was um, you had back in 2016 you launched um, I think it's called Offbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sounds like, you know, it's intended to be a online community for other photographers. Um, I, I'm really curious about, first of all, maybe just if you could tell us what it is and then why you decided to launch that project. Yeah, for sure. Part of it is, um, I, I started getting really into, um, education and teaching of photography, maybe, uh, I don't know, three, four years ago. Uh, I met fellow photographer Dave Brosha, who's out. He was out of, uh, you know, he was in Yellowknife back then. He's now in PI, but he's great friend and now my main business partner. And um, so we started doing a lot of workshops together. And eventually we were doing enough that we felt like it was worth, uh, 
starting out a separate business that would have proper branding as opposed to, you know, uh, you know, Dave and Pollard doing this event there and the poster looks like this and then the, the type looks different in that other area and Paul's not there, but Dave's, it was kind of all, <laughs> it, you know, we just wanted to um, sort of streamline everything and have everything under the same kind of umbrella and so and and just we felt it was time to have separate branding and all that so we basically transferred essentially we just transformed our existing workshops into you know a separate entity called offbeat and we felt like it would be great to have um, an online community it would make sense to have an online community that goes along with um, the workshops like some people are part of the community have not done a workshop other people are do workshops and are not part of the community necessarily not active in the community like they, they, they're, they're kind of uh, separate but I'd say for the most part we have a group that's involved in both so that's where um, yeah so we focused a lot of our efforts and time on offbeat over the last uh, year or so yeah, it's been around for about a year now okay so <clears throat> it seems like it's a it's a way for people to get kind of more um, in a community setting, um, I guess access to workshops and professional advice and and um, and stuff like that. Is that am I off on that or yeah? Is that so kind it's... of what your how what your kind of thought process was behind it was um, providing kind of an innovative way to to get customers involved in your workshops and your teachings and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. So the uh, yeah, so it's basically twofold. There's the whole workshop component, and then the online community itself um, that you're describing is um, yeah, it is a way to uh, well, we realize that you know a, a lot of our community spent um, considerable amount of time on Facebook, so we felt like that was probably the best place to host the community, and so uh -huh. yeah, and so uh, that's kind of where um, we have several contributors with different articles and different topics so we've got you know some we've got some wildlife oriented contributors we've got some portrait people so a bit of everything um so um we try to put up new content on a regular basis uh, it's it's sort of a community where everybody's encouraged to ask questions and we we try to you know sort of um to have really good dynamics positive atmosphere and and we try to make it uh you know uh we try to make it so that it's not daunting to the new people and they don't have to lurk for a year before they get involved. You know, they feel that they can get involved right away. And uh, it's a place where we just celebrate the successes that we've had, whether it's, you know, professional as professional photographers or, um, or, or amateurs. It's places where we keep in touch, you know, um, after workshops. So we got organized before workshops. So it's, it's kind of a, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff happening in it. And, um, uh, yeah, I think you know it's it's. Uh, I really like I really like the vibe so far. I, I'm pretty proud of what we've accomplished over the first year, and it it goes really well. I think it goes hand in hand with uh, with the workshops. So it's uh, it's it's been a great uh, great first year. I think. Yeah, <clears throat> I think when I remember when you had announced it, I, I was really excited about about it just from a as a bystander just to see kind of where you would be able to take it because it seemed like a, a really neat way to connect people who want to learn more about photography with people that um, 
can teach them, <laughs> um, but not make it so inaccessible to where they have to, you know, like travel every time to get everything they want. Like it sounds like you have more than just on-site workshops. Like there's some other ways for people to to engage with you guys through that, which I think sounds like uh, really exciting for people. Yeah, for sure. I think part of it was that we, um, you know, we're, we're both. Um, Dave and I, and and now the other contributors we have, we're all you know we're all passionate about helping people get where they want to go with their their creativity. And um, one downside of workshops is that, well, then sometimes you get those messages where people say, "Well, I can't really afford to drop a few thousand dollars on one of your workshops, but I'd love to kind of learn something and be involved." And so um, the the online community made sense as as sort of a, a more affordable option for. Uh, for those people or people who wanted to see, you know, what we're about before they commit to spending more money on one of the uh, one of the events, which is totally understandable. Sure, that makes total sense. So one of the things um, I thought would be kind of fun to talk about a little bit, um, if you're comfortable, is uh, sponsorships, because I noticed you have quite a few sponsors from various um, people like Canon and Mountain Hardware and stuff like that. So talk uh, if, if you're willing, tell tell us a little bit about how those sponsorships came to be, and um, did you heavily pursue them, and kind of how do you see those sponsorships fitting into um, your overall, I guess, marketing plan? Yeah, for sure, Matt. Um, I think you know it's it's really a case by case thing. Um, they they all happen somewhat differently and the uh the terms for all of them are vary quite widely so um for for some of the sort of partnerships um uh some of the partnerships i had to you know pursue pretty aggressively and be you know be persistent um others um other companies re- they're the ones who reached out um so things happened uh, a lot more easily and sure. yeah and you know um i think sponsorship or at least you know uh, I, I don't i don't really know what uh i think the line so the, the term is getting a little bit more blurry now that you know uh, there's, there's so many online partnerships happening and what's a sponsorship and what's something else i i you know yeah, it's, right yeah like the semantics are getting a little bit complicated but um you know overall um for me they're they're, they're companies that uh you know it's it's geared at uh you know i i've genuinely you know um used and tested um and that I rely on for my work and I would recommend to, you know, to a friend basically and, and to, yeah. And so, and then a lot of, um, yeah. And there are companies, you know, there are companies that will work with you that they're, um, you know, they, they've got, um, they, they, it's not a one way thing. They, they also believe in what you do and what you're able to bring to the table. And, uh, they, they show, they show some faith, you know, they want to work with you in developing something. Sometimes it's just, uh, for me as, as an individual, sometimes we, you know, we work something within offbeat with the community and we're able to just, um, you know, get, um, 
participants to get members to benefit as well. So there's a bit of everything. Um, but overall, they're all companies that, um, you know, that I've so far, I've had a really good relationship with. And uh, that, uh, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, it can be as simple as, you know, look, we're looking for, we're looking for exposure. And I'm looking for, they have something I have, I have something they have, and that's it, right? Um, sure. You know, like, but but uh, but at the same time, um, I wouldn't really align with a company that, um, you know, I don't think I'd want to align with a company that I don't really believe in, or that's too much of a stretch in terms of, um, you know, it's it's gear that I'd have to force myself to use. You know right, what I mean? Like, wow, yeah. I wish I didn't have this sponsorship. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know the the Garmin I had. You know, I. I was on the ice field in a whiteout a couple of days ago, and we used it extensively. But if I if I was if I lived in downtown Toronto, uh, probably Garmin sponsorship. I'm not sure would make you know um, that much sense. Um, but sure. I think you know there, there are products that that align align with the lifestyle quite a bit, and uh, that I fully endorse. And uh, yeah, so far it's uh, yeah it's been great working with all those different companies. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I, I I've I've talked to a few other people that have sponsorships, and it seems you know I think what you what you first said about it kind of just varying and being all over the map sounds about right because it seems like every company that does have these kind of things with people, it's it varies so widely between like them actually paying for you to do travel or them giving you gear to test or just you doing a blog post once a month about their product or something like that. So it's it's really interesting how those different partnerships, what they mean and how they, you know, what the benefit to each organ, to you and to them is depending on the product and what they're looking for and what you're looking for. Um, oh yeah, t totally. And I think even within the same company, you'll have, they'll have different deals with different people. Um, and you, you have companies that will come out and say, look, that's the agreement, take it or leave it. Those are the terms and there's no flexibility. <laughs> and you have companies that will send sort of a, a, a sort of a, you know, a more um, vague email that will say, hey, we want to work with you. Do you think we can work something out? And then you hop on the phone and try to work, work up, you know, work out an agreement. Um, so yeah, it's kind of all, all over the map and say, same for the terms, but um yeah but but you know i think it's uh those types of relationships have really exploded with uh you know with with social media being you know such a kind of a big factor in in photo in photography now and so um yeah you know i, I i'm currently i'm pretty happy with the relationships that that we have and um i feel like they they all they all contribute something and and um I'm confident that, you know, we contribute something too. Otherwise they wouldn't be interested. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, uh, it sounds like, um, shifting gears a little, you are, um, going to do a trip to An Antarctica or you already did. I, I couldn't quite follow the bouncing ball, but, um, talk a little bit about how about An Antarctica. <laughs> Cause that's a, that's a pretty, um, pretty remote location i guess you could say and I, I don't think it's been super heavily photographed yeah and uh i uh i got back in uh mid-february so i was there for okay. six 
Yeah, I was there for six weeks this winter. Uh, there, I guess summer down there. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I'm very, very thankful for the experience. It was incredible. It's, it, uh, you know, feeling very fortunate to have uh, been able to see that part of the world. Um, it's, like you said, it's remote. It's There's no cheap way to get there. Um, and so it was, um, yeah, I, I'm super thankful. I was there uh, as the resident photographer for uh, one of the One Ocean Expeditions ships, which is a, they're a Canada-based company that does lots of cool trips in Antarctica and the Arctic as well. And um, yeah, so I, I uh, they, 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 you know, they were nice enough to have me on board for uh, for three trips and um we uh my what i contributed was that you know i helped um i helped people basically you know take home images they were happy with because for a lot of people of course it's a life once a lifetime experience and so i uh, helped with that and did some presentations and some uh helped people with uh, editing and helped out in the field and then uh beyond the photography i think it's the kind of venture where you know, everybody ends up doing a bit of everything. So if a barbecue needs set up, well, you help set up the barbecue. And if <laughs> so sometimes you'll just, you know, they're all wet landings down there. So you, you'll be catching, catching boats, catching zodiacs for the morning, and you know, it's whatever needs doing to uh, to keep the uh, to keep everybody happy and keep the operation going smoothly. So you know, the call of duty goes beyond photography, but uh, it it kept kept things really interesting and of course you you meet uh yeah you met meet lots of interesting people it's it's a good it's a great bonding experience so lots of people i'll be keeping in touch with for for a long time and you know and i was able to uh, photograph a place that i never thought i would ever see so i you know it's it was uh it's a long time to be away from home for sure and to drop drop uh the largely drop the business but uh i uh i would I, I would still you know um it was still so worthwhile. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's not many people that I know that have been there, let alone to go there and actually photograph photograph the icebergs and all that crazy stuff. I mean, that it's it looks I saw some of your photos and it looked really crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me anyways, it was unlike anything I'd seen before. Not nothing of that scale. Um just and I think you know the 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 landscape is one thing you know it's it's uh everything is so vast and there's there's just so much ice everywhere you look but uh, I'd never really seen life thrive on that level before either and I'm not a wildlife photographer but um it, it's it, that place will turn anybody into a wildlife photographer it's just <laughs> you know it's uh, when, when you see you know um wildlife in such sheer numbers it's uh yeah you just want to document it somehow it's just just incredible so i was really going for the ice myself that's that was my main area of interest and the mountains but yeah i gotta say i ended up with a few thousand shots of penguins regardless (laughs) (laughs) i believe believe it i mean winter you might never see penguins again right (laughs) oh exactly plus it's almost impossible in some places to take a shot without a penguin in it (laughs) You're like, well, I tried not to get a penguin in the <laughs> shot, but it was inevitable. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, it, they're just everywhere. But it's, um, yeah. But it's, 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 yeah, amazing part of the planet. I mean, yeah. I wish everybody I know would get a chance to go at some point. It's, I'm, I'm just really, really thankful. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a hard place to shoot in a way because it's. Um, it's very, you know, 
like yourself, Matt, like I'm, I'm used to living in an area where you can pretty much go wherever you want, whenever you want. Um, and you, you have total freedom. Of course, in Antarctica, Antarctica is very heavily protected and for good reason, but still creatively, it's a little bit challenging sometimes because you'll see, you'll see a possibility that you're really excited and it's 10 meters away, but you're not allowed to go there. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, so you, you sort of walk, you know, from one pole to another and then sort of all on the same path to, um, you know, to, to limit your impact, which I totally understand. But yeah, your, your, your photographer brain sometimes is just screaming, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, ah, I need to go right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, but, but uh, yeah, but, but, you know, I was there for long enough that I was able to get um, a few shots that I think I'll treasure for a while. No doubt. So speaking of uh, protecting kind of those natural areas, especially the more fragile ones, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, living up in the Canadian Rockies, you get to see firsthand um, some of the impacts of climate change. And I'm wondering kind of where you fall on that spectrum as a, an appreciator for um, the natural world that we live in. And, and how, do you, how do you see that issue of environmentalism and how how does that tie into into photography and landscape photography specifically oh gosh it's something that's just uh, it's such a hot topic here matt because um we're we're bracing for you know we have um we have a lot of visitors here in the summer and uh-huh. we're br- we're bracing for what will probably be by far our heaviest summer in history in terms of visitation in Banff National Park uh, because it's, you know, the 150th anniversary of the country. The parks passes are free this year. And and regardless, visitation's been going up every year. And plus now I think, uh, you know, New York Times, Nat Geo, a bunch of big publications picked Banff as one of their, you know, they put us on some sort of list somewhere, you know, top 10 right. places to visit or whatever. Um, so it's going to be really, really busy this summer. And, um, and you know, and yeah, our, our, uh, you're, you're right. Like, um, you know, the, the climate change, I think it's, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know if we're um, on the front lines in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, our livelihood is directly affected like it is for some people on on other parts of the planet. But in terms of, you know, uh, visual impact, it's very obvious. I mean, I've only been here for 10 years and I look at glacier images from 10 years ago and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite, uh, it's quite amazing how much some of those places have changed. And, uh, you know, and we're, we're in a place where, uh, you know, so relying so much on tourism and uh, and that tour, a lot of people come here to see ice or ice related processes like, you know, we've got the turquoise lakes because we have ice. And, and so, right. you know, in, in, in 50 years from now, when the glacier's gone and the lake turns, you know, normal color, uh, you know, it, it'll be it's one thing for photography. Of course, there'll be a few disappointed photographers, but uh, then for a place that relies on tourism so heavily. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a challenge for sure. And, and it's amazing, you know, the timescales we're talking about. It's not, you know, thousands of years. It's going to happen in the fairly short term. And, um, yeah, and, and here in Banff National, you know, it's sort of the flagship national part of Canada. So everybody in the country sort of looks at Banff as to, 
um, you know, how, how to proceed in, uh, you know, in that, it, it's sort of that eternal struggle between visitation and conservation and how do we get the people to come and experience it, but also keep it, you know, uh, you know, keep it in the shape that uh, will allow, will, will allow people from the next generations to enjoy it just as much. So it's always that sort of that, um, that tug between the two, I guess. Um, and yeah. that, that's always been at the heart of Banff National Park because it's always been, it was built for tourism. It was, you know, that the park was created for tourism and then conservation came afterwards and it, the idea of conservation. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's the same in many parts of the world for sure. But I think this is definitely, um, you know, we're definitely, um, we're definitely a hot spot. I think a battleground, I guess, for, 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 yeah, for, for, uh, for conservation versus visitation. It's, uh, you know, you've got, it's kind of polarizing too. You know, it's, it's a very oh, complex sure. issue, but then, yeah, you got a lot of people who are against absolutely every kind of new development and you've got people who are at the other end of the spectrum. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I think most people are sort of going back and forth and it's, uh, yeah, it's but it's so it's so complex. To be honest, I don't know exactly where I stand. Um, and you know, we I think we do definitely have a role as photographers, um, because you know, like, of course, you're contributing to visitation a lot by just putting images online and encouraging people to come out here. At the same time, you can have a disclaimer in every single photo that you post that says, you know, please stay on the path and please don't feed the bears and please don't do this and don't do that. You know, at some point, um, at some point, you have to just uh, hope that people will be, um, people will, you know, um, sort of play nice when they do come and visit Banff because we do like to see people here enjoying the mountains. Um but uh yeah we're definitely bracing for some uh yeah for all kinds of behavior for this summer but yeah it, it's it's yeah. such a complex yeah i i uh i'm going back and forth all the time it's uh yeah it, it's really child it's really challenging for this area yeah you know i think that's one of the really one of the kind of powerful things about photography as a as an activity or a hobby or of a, of a passion that it has, it has the capability, I feel like to kind of cross cut pol political spectrums and, and bring people together. Uh, because I feel like whether or not you think climate change is real or, or, or how you feel about land development or, or whatever, I think through exploring photography and exploring the natural world, um, it, it helps people see like how important, um, those resources are. If, if it's something worth photographing, uh, it's probably, you probably are willing to agree that it's worth protecting at in some, in some way or another. And so I think that it opens the door for people at opposite ends of the political spectrum to have dialogue about those topics without it being, um, you know, just people pointing fingers and whatever, like they can have a common uh, language that they can talk about what what it is about the natural world that, that draws them to photograph it. And I think that's one of the cool things about photography for me is is how it, it's a very powerful 
passion that I think can take people in a lot of different directions and also bring us together as well as people, um, whether it's through portraiture or just photos of the natural world or just powerful imagery in general. I think it has a lot of really cool potential side effects that can be harnessed if, if, if we were if we're smart about it, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I really like what you just said, Matt. I totally agree with you. And I, and I see, um, yeah, I, I think there's, I think as we go through, you know, this this just challenging period, photography can play a big role in, uh, in you know, um, sort of, um, yeah, in, in preservation and all that, um, conservation. And I think it's, um, you're right, like if we, I think if you get people to engage creatively with the place, right. then yeah, then um, then they go home and they're kind of um, it's had that impact on them and they're more likely to be ambassadors and to care and want to keep it the way it is. And whereas um, you know, so which which I you know that's one thing I really like about workshops. Like you really help beyond the photography thing. You just you're facilitating you're facilitating uh, you know a connection with the place for those people. Uh, right. For a lot of those people, it's it's daunting to go in the mountains, uh, deal potentially with the wildlife, with the weather. Like you know, we're we're very you're so removed from the wilderness as a society sometimes that it's you know you you know people maybe um, sometimes you. You people need a bit of a nudge to to get back um, to uh, you know to to yeah to get back to nature and all that. So I think if you can help them engage creatively with the place, then they go home with a way better connection than if they just sort of uh, did the drive-by photography uh, up and down the Icefields Parkway. Which you know it's there's amazing opportunities. It's great, but I'm not sure that you gain this you get the same appreciation for the uh, the amazing wilderness we have here and uh and i think you're probably less likely to or you're probably more likely to just go home and move on to to something else um yeah so i think you know to me yeah it's it it comes down to you know the the way you make people care is you have to make people just uh Im you have to get people immersed and uh and give them a little bit of time to uh, to soak it up, and I think photography is just such a great way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Paul, uh, tell me about some of your um, upcoming workshops that you got going on. Yeah, um, we um, let's see. I think most most workshops are sold out for this year we've got um that's a good we, problem to have <laughs> yeah yeah it's awesome i'm just yeah i mean i'm regardless i'm excited about everything that's coming up but i'll still mention um yeah if anybody's interested there's a couple openings so we've got yeah we've got a couple of workshops in banff here uh those are the next ones in june so we've got the, our portraits in high places workshop which is all about the human element in the mountains and then we've got a landscape photography workshop. And then we've got um, a PEI, astrophotography. PEI is, uh, yeah, in the Maritimes, Eastern Canada. So sort of seaside astrophotography workshop. Um, and then we have in August, uh, late July, we've got the Torngat Mountains National Park in Labrador. So that's polar bears and icebergs. And, um, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah that's really uh, one of the newest national parks in Canada. So that's really uh, that's really exciting. Uh, and uh, I was fortunate to scout it out last summer. So I'm excited to go back and uh, 
and and show a few people what it's like it's it's amazing place um and then um otherwise uh i think we there's a few spots for greenland in september uh and then yeah after that uh we got a couple of workshops in banff and then namibia in november and uh and all those are sold out but there's a there's a vancouver island we're going to do some storm photography in december so there's a few spots oh, on cool. that too but yeah it's just a yeah, three-day uh... event we're hoping for some nasty weather for <laughs> once we'll see <laughs> right uh, that Torngats looks really cool because it kind of reminds me of um like norway with the fjords and glacier remnants and stuff like that it looks really awesome yeah you know like i it's funny you say that because i um that's one of the things that I said to um yeah to my friends when I came home was that yeah imagine Norway where you you know it's pretty much like flat topped but then it'll drop you know 800 meters into the ocean almost vertical uh but almost like Norway but uh with a bit more melting you know there's just tiny little remnants of glaciers there's big icebergs but they come from Greenland oh, yeah. um yeah so there's and then um yeah, and then a very healthy polar bear population, <laughs> and yeah, and lots of northern lights. So yeah, lots of uh, lots of similarities with uh, with Norway for sure. Yeah, but right uh, here at home, which not not, so cool. not a lot of people know that that the place exists, even within even among Canadians, it's uh, it's kind of a yeah. People are torn. Where's the Torngats? What is that? Yeah, right. And so right. so yeah, at least we'll introduce you know ten people to it this summer. So yeah, so uh, yeah, so that'll be that's what probably one of the more kind of exotic workshops that we do. But um, yeah, should be should be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, otherwise I'm I'd, otherwise I'm just uh, you know I live here for a reason. So I love being here. So I I you know I I uh, try to be in the mountains as much as I can. And um, like you, uh, hopefully hopefully get out a little bit this summer and do some climbing and uh, spend time with the family. And that's yeah. kind of, yeah. 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 What's your summer looking like? Uh, you, have trips, you know, but... um, I've got um, a friend of mine w wants to finish uh, climbing all the 14ers down here in Colorado. Um, he helped me. He was on my finisher in 2012. And so I'm trying to help him finish off. There's, 53 oh, nice. of them yeah 53 14ers so he's got he's got 11 to go 10 to go and then i've got my goal is to climb the highest 100 mountains in colorado and i've got 11 to go i'm hopefully gonna knock off three or four this year if i have time and oh awesome yeah they're probably the more time consuming ones i assume well i've got a few that are you know, more technical, um, definitely some multi-pitch stuff. Um, and then uh, a few of them are just like really easy, boring walk-ups that I could probably do in my sleep. I just never did them. <laughs> uh, but they're still on my list to do, so I need to do them. And then, and then a buddy of mine's going to do the Colorado Trail uh, this summer, and I'm going to hopefully join up with him for a few sections of that over a long weekend or something like that. So, right on. Does that cross the whole state? Yeah, basically it goes from Denver all the way down here to, to Durango across all the mountain ranges. So it's oh nice. I, th I I can't remember the exact distance, but I want to say it's like 500 miles or something like that. It's a pretty oh, big, wow. pretty big trip for a backpacker. It's a nice yeah. It's a it's definitely 
a good one. I've done several sections of it, but I've never done like the whole whole shebang. So I'm pretty excited okay. for him. <laughs> but nice. uh, yeah, hopefully meet up with him and do some backpacking with him a few times. And yeah, other than that, just uh, with through my job, I'm pretty busy. We're I just we're putting the finishing touches on a four million dollar facility that I'm in charge of building for my company. Oh and wow! So in in Durango or. Yeah, it's in it's in it's it's in a small town uh, just east of here called Pagosa Springs. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to get that building opened and staffed and stuff like that. So that's another that's taking up a lot of my time on the. I bet. Yeah. My job. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully you can fit in a few photo sessions in there somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but other than that, yeah, just trying to get out as much as I can for sure. Nice. So I have. Two question, two more questions for you, Paul. Yep. And if, since you've heard all the podcasts, you probably know what they are, but I'll just say it anyway. <laughs> Based on the title of the podcast, F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen, um, what does that mean for you as a photographer and what advice would you have for up-and-coming photographers? Um, I think, you know, for me, I think collaborating um, – you know, it, it, it's nice to, um, you know, beyond a more traditional sense, I guess, of, you know, working on little side projects with fellow photographers. I think f for me, collaborating means, uh, you know, realizing that nobody, nobody works in a, in a vacuum, I guess. Uh, you're, you're, you're influenced whether you want it or not. And I think, um, you know, I think Aaron maybe mentioned that, but uh, I, I, big fan of you know the idea that yeah it's easy to you know you look at social media and it's easy to think that photography started in 2010 you know and <laughs> and you know it's realizing that yeah no there's a heck of a lot of people who came and did amazing work before we did and uh you know set the stage for us and allowed us to go out there and create and it's remembering that yeah just uh you know there's um yeah, that 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 all those people contributed something, and that contributed to that um, sort of jar, I guess, and that you're we're all picking something from it, and uh, you know, and I think I, I I'd like to think of um, a, a collaboration on that in that sense, where you know it's sort of a collective pool of creativity that's been ongoing for a long time, and uh, you know, I think. Uh, you know, we're we're probably not the first ones to come up with anything. It's been done before, or very vari variation of it. And I think it's important to recognize that that you know, you, and be thankful for for all those influences, whether you're conscious of them or not. And just uh, and then to try to contribute to something to the community yourself, and try to keep it you know a positive place. And it's you know, especially I think with the internet and stuff, it's you know the community can get a little bit toxic sometimes. And it's nice yeah, if you okay. can it's nice if you can inject a little bit of you know positivity there and keep things light and just you know just let people create and uh yeah and so that's kind of what i think of collaboration in terms of listening i think you know it's it's um realizing that you you never get there as a photography as a photographer you 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 never you never quite get where you want to be and accepting that and the fact that you're always 
you're always learning from everybody, no matter how experienced, no matter who, who is the most experienced person. I think we all have a lot to learn from, from other photographers and whether they're pros or amateurs or whether the genre, uh, whatever genre they're in. And I've, I've really realized that doing workshops, um, you know, you, you just gain so much from hanging out with other creative people and maybe they don't have a clue what aperture is, but it doesn't matter. You still get something from their vision if you pay attention. And I think if you're, yeah, if you're open to uh, what they have to contribute really to the community and, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, to, to not be entitled and think that, you know, you're, you're there, you, you know, <laughs> you know how to, <laughs> yeah, you know how to create good images technically, but then, you know, there's, there's still, there's so much in photography that is, um, you know, intangible, right? That it's kind of like, oh, I don't know why this photo is just so good, but it is. And I wish I'd seen it. And I think about that, you know, you do workshops and you're like, how did I not see that in the field? Well, it's because, yeah, it's because no matter how much you shoot, you're, you know, I have people all the time who come do workshops in my own backyard. And every time they show you stuff that you've never noticed before. Right. And yeah. I think that's, that's one of the beautiful things about photography and that, that it shows that it's important to just uh, listen and realize that, yeah, everybody can, everybody can teach everybody else something. And it's great. Oh, well said. Have you have you ever seen that that uh, graph that shows like the 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 learning curve or the time timeline of a photographer? And it's like it starts out like, oh, I'm not very good. And then it's like, oh, I'm so good. And and then it's like, oh, I'm doing HDR and I'm such a badass. And then it and then it drops all the way back down. It's like, yeah, I don't know anything. (laughs) Oh, I know. Yeah. You just when you think you've got it all figured out, you'll get something that will just uh, you know, totally, you know, push you out of that zone. And then suddenly you feel, you feel shaky about everything again and very uncertain as an artist. And, <laughs> and then even if you've been through the cycle before, you're still surprised that you feel that way. It's, it's, it's funny, but it's just, uh, yeah, I guess that's just, it's just part of the journey. And, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want it any other way myself. I think it keeps things really interesting. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, that's why it's, it's so great to spend time with fellow photographers. You have to let me know if you come out to, to this area, Matt, so we can, uh, absolutely. We can get out. Yeah, that would be exciting. I, it's definitely on my bucket list for sure. So I, yeah, I heard you talk about, uh, yeah, I heard you talk about, uh, Assiniboine and Robson with, I, I can't remember who was a Michael maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, amazing backcountry areas that uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to uh, I'd love to show you around eventually if you can make it out this way. Oh man, I definitely will have to take you up on that offer. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. So, uh, last question: um, If you were um, hanging out uh, on your phone and it popped up on your iPod, your um, your podcast app, and it said. Uh, New episode of F Stop Collaborate and Listen is up um, with such an, with so and so. Who would you be really excited to see? Whose whose name would you be really excited to see pop up? Yeah, like I I I love the uh, you know the 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 collection of photographers that you've interviewed so far is awesome. But I think it'd be great to have uh, the input from someone who's been who's who's uh sort of been around the block a little bit if you know what i mean like i i <laughs> I, know, I know some of the other guys have been doing photography for a while but you know someone like uh i wonder if maybe uh gordon wiltsey would be keen to talk to you um 
out of uh, I think he's in California right now, and uh, he's just uh, you know he's seen the in he's seen the industry he did still you know um, shoots a lot, but he's seen the industry change a lot and seen the you know the the wilderness change a lot. I think he'd have just some really really great um, input for you, and I'll gladly uh, put him in touch with you if you want. He's uh, yeah. He's, I think he'd have some some gems for for your interviews. Absolutely, man. If you could put me in touch, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I can do that for sure. I think you'd really enjoy your uh, conversation with him if he uh, if he's keen. Cool, man. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, well, thanks, man. I really appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast a lot. It's been uh, it's been fun. Thank you.